This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 114. We have got a great show lined up for you. We have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about like 15, 17 things. It seems like it's been forever and it actually has been because things. you did the last episode solo. Do you remember? I did. I hope our listeners enjoyed that. That was the quickest episode I have ever recorded in my life. It was also the quickest to edit because there was only one one track of uh, ours to Dude, actually, you know out. what? Hold on one second now. Now that you say that, you got me wondering if I'm not off on the things that we are supposed to be talking about. So, hey, we can just jump right into it then. So we've got releases, packages, tutorials, and more, which are the and more today is Laracon. We're going to talk about some Laracon stuff, upcoming Laracon items, Yeah, which is going to be uh, here before you know it. It's pretty exciting. Um, let's talk about the biggest news very first, right out of the gate, and that is that Laravel 7 is now released. Woohoo! I know a lot of people have said Released. that this is like it's, their yeah. uh, favorite release. I think five was like a big, big shift, but this is a, yeah. this is an awesome one as well. Laravel Seven. It's got some really, really good stuff in here. Lots of good stuff. Uh, so let's take a couple minutes and talk through some of those items. So Laravel Seven includes many new features. Here are a few of them: Laravel Airlock, better routing speed. Thank you, Symphony. Custom eloquent casts, blade component tags. Uh, thank you, X Blade. Uh, Spassi for, I think, inspiration on that one, I believe. Fluent string operations, Caleb Porzio. Uh, new HTTP client, Adam Wathen. Cores support, Fruitcake, whoever that is. That's a new package, by the way. Did you know that? We've been upgrading to 7 like crazy. And before, the I think thing. it was Barry yeah. whatever, the guy who does... Barry yeah, Vanda, yeah, yeah. who used to have the Cores one in there. And that bit us a couple times. We forgot to upgrade that one package. Because it uses like some fruitcake core package now, course package. Anyway, I'm off yeah. the rails here. But anyway, yeah. there's a lot of them. Okay, so here we go. All right, Laravel Airlocks. So we've talked about this a little bit before, but this is like a featherweight authentication system for SPAs, mobile applications, and also uh, for simple token-based APIs, which is what I've used it for most in the past. So it allows each of your applications to generate multiple API tokens for their account. And these ha uh, may be granted abilities or scopes, which specify actions the tokens are allowed to perform. So this was kind of in beta, or as my good friend, Mr. Drina would say, beta, beta testing in Laravel Airlock was until 7 was released. So it's now actually tagged and, and in Laravel 7. So that's pretty cool. We have custom eloquent casts. So Laravel has a variety of built-in helpful cast types, such as dates, which we can talk about that a little bit if you'd like to. Uh, Michael and myself were actually both bit by a Laravel 7 date casting, not a bug, but a change that it said would was very unlikely that it would affect anybody. And it affected both of us. So we'll just yeah. make you aware of that in a moment here. But this cast attributes interface, so it has uh, classes that implement this interface, it must define a get and a set method. And so basically what you could do now is you can cast anything to a custom class, which is pretty darn cool. Okay, so should we talk about the breaking change real quick with that? Not necessarily breaking change, but how it broke for us. Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Hit me up. Let's hear your story first. Now, I, I've actually submitted a pull request to the, the documentation for this one, and it's been merged in now. But Essentially, with the change to 
date casting in Laravel, that the, the date format now for serialization is an ISO 8601 compliant format, which essentially means that it will include the time right. zone in the format when it is displayed, you know, when it's serialized to an array or you display it via an accessor or, or JSON or whatever. Or cast to a string. Yeah. Now, in most situations, if you are clever, you just leave your application in UTC time zone and handle any transformation of that date into local user time in the browser. In the application that I am in, and I'm guessing the application that you are in, you have not set, or I certainly have not used UTC, we've set to Sydney time for our application, which meant that a whole swag of our tests that were testing things started to fail. Because part of that serialization strategy is to call the two JSON method of carbon, which calls a two ISO eight six zero one string, which will, unless you explicitly tell it otherwise, cast that date to UTC. So that took a little bit of digging. As I said, if your application is already in UTC, you're not going to have any issues with it. But if you are using you know, I assume you're using Chicago, Correct. we're using Sydney. That's going to cause you some issues. So the way that we worked around it, thankfully, we've got a base model that all of our models extend from. So we just overwrote that serialized date yeah. method to call to ISO 86 or ISO string method or whatever it was directly and just pass it the Boolean flag true. And that would tell it to keep the time zone that's already in there rather than doing an explicit date. Uh, you know, returning YMD, HIS, whatever, as the documentation recommends. Yeah. So that was a little little trip for us, but luckily our test suite caught all of that anyway. There were a few other things, unfortunately, that tripped us up just the way that we were going about things. I ended up hitting some recursion issues and and running out of memory in my tests because we had something was calling get original in in the test to verify like the original unmodified value. Get original was changed in Laravel 7 to still run through any of your mutators. So it was recursively calling itself through the mutator until it eventually <laughs> ran out of memory. So if you're using get original, you need to change that to get raw original to get the underlying value. There you go. The, the story I had was we were doing something. It was uh, dumb. Uh, and we actually had tests, but not tests for this particular thing. So we have this formatter. And when we export to this old legacy database that we have to push stuff into, one of the requirements that it has, which is kind of silly, but it's what it is, is that everything has to be uppercased, like everything, all the all the values that go in have to be uppercased. Mm-hmm. So we grab a model and then we do two array and then we do string to upper on everything. So we do array array map, string to upper on everything, which will end up taking yep. your, since we're doing two array, it will um, take your model and cast it to whatever it needs to be cast to. So that, that point is still a carbon object. Great. But then when you do string to upper, it casts anything as a string, right? So that date now becomes a string, which is YMDHIS previously. And so we mm-hmm. said, hey, go ahead and take that YMDHIS and then expect it to be that format. And Carbon, if you can parse it from that, great. Go ahead and change it to this other format. If you can't parse it, just return it as nothing, right? No problem, which that is a problem. But our tests uh, for the formatter said, yeah, that works fine. But we didn't have an end-to-end test for the thing that was actually going to be pushing stuff from the model to that formatter. And so we didn't catch it until two days later. And oops, now all the dates Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to be pushing into this legacy database 
are not there. And so all the strategies that are supposed to run on those files to move them around are not working. Oh no. So we, we figured it out relatively quickly, but that was, that was the issue. So yeah, yeah it's like it's those weird yeah. things, right? Like I get why they did it. I totally get why they did it. And it makes sense. I just didn't pay attention well enough when I was shifting the, uh, the application. So yeah, it happens. Yes. I was, I was lucky to catch them. Like we, we were ready to pretty much launch on Thursday, I thought. And then we started bumping on these issues. And then we were doing some work around improving our test suite and the way that we handle migrations. I actually ran the stats because I was talking to Taylor about it during the week. We have 404 database migrations oh across six different database connections. And this used to take us anywhere between sort of 15 and 18 seconds just to get to the first test, which if you're only wanting to run a single test, it's really, really, really annoying and almost makes you not want to run your test because if you're waiting 15 seconds to find out that your test is failing or that you're getting to the next failure in your test, it's it's a non-trivial sure. amount of time. And we've done some work to bring that down to six seconds and six seconds is kind of where it sat for probably about eight or nine months. And we've now fixed that up. So we're down to essentially... A regular That's test nice. suite. Yeah, sure. You know, you would expect to see a test come back to you in a hundred milliseconds or less or whatever. So, so I spent a few hours, half a day, I don't know, getting all that working. And I've I've had a bit of traction in talking to different people about it. You know, we're not the ones only ones with this issue. So I'm just trying to figure out the best way of pulling it out, probably into a package at least initially, until it gets a bit more use outside of the framework before maybe submitting a a pull request to the framework to get it done. It's just that I need to kind of remove the thinking in my brain of multiple connections to bring it back to whatever Laravel does by default, which I think is just looking at the migration path and, and doing things in there. So some some scope for work there. We'll that's see what cool. Happens. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people but, who uh, benefit from that. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. But in the end, it got to like Friday morning and I was like... Mm. We could probably wait until Monday before we push LRL7 upgrade out. As it was, as it has been, I've been doing miscellaneous bits and pieces of work this weekend just in preparation for our teams to be working from home in the current climate and and for more of our customers to be working from home as well. So spent a few hours over the weekend just getting bits and pieces in place for that as well. Nice. Yeah, we've we've got 25 apps and I think we'll have all of them to seven by this week we they're all shifted now where it's just reviews mm-hmm. and deployments so we should be good yeah and then it'll just be uh yeah laravel shift keeping us up to date which is pretty cool so we already got prs on the ones that were shifted to seven so it's like hey 7.1.2 here you go that's really yeah. nice okay nice the other pieces we have blade components tags and improvements so this is really interesting if you've ever used components before in blade it was like an at component directive and then you'd include the name of the component mm-hmm. and that stuff and that was fine but now what you basically can do is you can just include a tag with a custom name on it and it will inject your component right in there. And there's kind of like three different ways to do these components. There's like a class-based with a view. There's a just a class-based and there's just a view-based one, I think, is kind of how it works. There's like three different ways you can use yeah. them, which are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, go check out the documentation for that. There's now an HTTP client. So previously, if you wanted to uh, interact with a first-party or a third-party API, it was like, do I use curl? Do I pull in guzzle? Do I do ZTTP? Well, now Laravel ships with a 
expressive minimal API around the Guzzle HTTP client. Uh, so it allows you to do a couple of things, quickly make outgoing HTTP requests to communicate with other applications. But as Laravel typically does, it also has a really great test to story. So there's uh, some really good methods in there for stubbing out tests and responses. And that's really, really great. Route caching speed improvements, yep. a new method for matching compiled cached routes uh, that have been cached using the route cache artisan command. So on large applications, for example, uh, like with 800 or more routes, these improvements can result in a 2x speed improvement in requests per, sing, uh, per second on a sing, uh, simple Hello World benchmark. Uh, but no changes to your, to your application required, which is great. Except for maybe if you have closures in your routes, which if you have a closure in your route, I don't think it caches. Yeah, there is no caching. No caching. If you Look, I would generally in a production app advise against using closures anyway. It's easy enough to have an invocable controller class if you need something sure. small and yep. lightweight uh so all of these features of course are on the laravel 7 uh release notes as well as in the upgrade guide so uh check that out and uh use some laravel shift if you want an easy way to do this thanks jason mccurry okay that's all of that and we are through yeah. the first item on the list wow okay so we've got 7.0.8 which was a point release here dot release you want to talk to us about that one yes so patch fixes are pretty common in the early days of a new release in Laravel. And so it's usually down to the fact that there are more and more people using it, running into issues, seeing things that are, you know, hard to predict in isolation of of writing tests and that when you're just building the framework in terms of everyone else out there, you know, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people and applications that that put the framework through its paces. So the latest release at the time of writing of this article was 7.0.8 it included a new mailable when method to conditionally run some code in your mailable. So if you wanted to say, check if there was a attachment added to the mailable, you could say when dollar attachment and then pass it a closure. And then you could attach based on the presence of that thing. So if that's something that you're interested in, check that out. And we also got Laravel 706 that was tagged in here, which added a Q suffix to the SQS driver configuration. Other than that, the fixes are for things like method signatures and user reported issues, as I mentioned at the start. Um, But definitely make sure that when you are upgrading, if you're only just coming to Laravel 7 now for the first time, that you are getting onto the latest version. The latest version of which is a 7.1, I'm pretty sure now, which Jake will tell us a bit more about. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I actually was going to have you do that one, but I can do that for sure. So Basically, what we talked about a minute ago was these components, these blade components, right? And so there was a possible cross-site scripting related attack um, based on this exact thing. So thankfully, this was fixed uh, really quickly. And uh, Anders Fierson, Fierson? Anyway, <laughs> Anders, Anders was responsible for pointing this out and bringing it to the attention of the of the team there. So uh, it's recommended that everybody update as soon as possible. Just to compose your update of the Laravel framework. If you're running any version of Laravel 7, would be pi- would be fine. And uh, that should get you all fixed mm-hmm. up. So there you go. Okay. The other thing, we will have a link to it in the show notes. But when you see this article, the title looks like an upside down Christmas Uh-oh, tree. Oh, I got to see this. What do you mean the title? Oh. The title yeah, of the yeah, article. Yeah. 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 It's an inverse triangle. <laughs> um, okay. 
Then we've got some packages to talk about here. So we've got the Laravel Telescope Dev Toolbar. So you've heard of Laravel Telescope, possibly. This was released quite a while ago, right? Laravel Telescope. But the Dev Toolbar is a new one. Mm. So talk to us about this. What's going on? So Barry, we mentioned earlier, Barry Vanderhoevel released a powerful toolbar for Laravel Telescope based on the Symfony Web Profiler. According to the project's readme, the main features include being able to inject a toolbar for quick info, showing redirects and AJAX requests, AJAX? AJAX requests, link to related telescope entry page, show up to five entries for collectors, links to details. It supports things like request info and timing, user authentication, database queries, Laravel and PHP version, cache hits, misses and sets, logger entries, exceptions, mails, notifications, jobs, dumps, a number of entries for commands, models and events. As mentioned in the readme, the styling, JavaScript, icons, and HTML are all based on the Symfony web profile. You can learn more about the package and get full installation instructions and source code on GitHub. We will have links to that in the show notes. I'm, I guess this is sort of an extension to both the debug bar and telescope and brings all of that kind of information into the browser. I'd probably have to dig into it a little bit more to sort of understand the difference between this and just the debug bar itself. Yeah, right. Because uh, Barry is also the one who is behind the Laravel toolbar, right? The debug bar, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. not sure if this is replacing it or if this is just kind of an addition to. Yep, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't read a whole lot into this one. But it looks yeah. like, okay, so Fruitcake. All right, so this is interesting. So he Barry made this under fruitcake slash Laravel telescope toolbar. So is Barry now fruitcake? I don't understand. I think fruitcake is the name of the, okay. the company and he's the, the developer there. Gotcha. That's how okay, that's cool. That works. That works. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple more packages here. Manager pa- pattern package for Laravel. So I took a look at this one a little bit earlier this week, actually. And this, it doesn't do anything for you that the the, the container doesn't do right so the container allows you to bind different things into the container uh, to a string or to a class or to an interface right it, it doesn't matter kind of how you you do that you can bring your own structure to that and, and do it however you'd like but this mm-hmm. manager package is an implementation of the manager pattern and its job is to make it convenient to create various implementations that adhere to an interface and a manager class to resolve them, right? So basically what it does is it gives you a pattern to say, hey, if you're creating an interface and then you're going to be binding multiple things to it, here's a little package to kind of like outline, here's a good way to do that. And here's an easy way to swap those around. That's pretty much all it is. So if you find yourself doing that, which my team does for sure, actually, this is something we do all the time where we have a third party API that we need to interact with. We create an interface for that that defines all the methods and stuff. Then we create an HTTP gateway, which uh, defines the HTTP version of it. And then we have a fake gateway, right? And so for testing and for local stuff, we bind to the fake gateway. And for live and production, we bind to the other the other one. And so we've kind of got our own home, mm-hmm. home rolled sort of version that works and, and it's fine. But this seems like it would basically bring a little bit of structure around that and make it a little bit easier. And then if you're also familiar with this manager pattern, then this might be something you'd be interested in taking a look at. So there you go. There is that yeah. one. So we've also got Flexible Presenter. What's that one? Flexible Presenter is a Laravel package that makes it a breeze to define just the right data to send to your views when using Inertia.js. When working with Inertia, you ideally don't want to send more data than is necessary to your views and doing so will slow down your responses and will generally expose data to the front end that's not required in a given context. 
When preparing an inertia response, you'd likely take a couple of approaches. In simple scenarios, you could compose the data to send to a view directly in the controller. So a lot of this stuff can get bloated and messy rather than quickly just dealing with things. So if you're just returning an array in your controller, if you're returning multiple things, it can get a bit large. You might try and encapsulate some of the logic in an API resource class, which was my first thought. And whilst this is more compact, it means you'll end up sending all of the fields defined in the API resource class, whether you actually need it in a view or not. The problem is then compounded when dealing with a collection of models. So the only solutions are a bit messy, either adding lots of gnarly conditionals to your resource class or creating lots of hyper-specific resource classes, which I do from time to time, the, the hyper-specific resource classes. Sure, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's free, right? I mean, you don't use it. It doesn't really matter, so. Yeah, yeah. So the flexible presenter package sidesteps all of these issues allowing you to define presenter classes that take the logic involved in getting data ready for your view layer out of the controller it also provides an expressive and fluent api that allows you to modify and reuse your presenters on the fly so that you you are only ever providing the relevant data um so if you've ever worked with api resources sources api resource classes the, the format of a of a flexible presenter is pretty simple you just have a class that extends the flexible pre- presenter and has a public function values, and then that will dish out everything you need. So you can pull things out of the presenter class directly. So you can call event presenter, for example, colon, colon, collection, and pass a a collection of events, and then say, I only want the ID and title fields. So instead of having to come up with a whole new resource that only has those two things in there, you could just pluck the values out of that collection quite easily. There are a number of fluent API methods you can call on a presenter class instance to define the data that you want to send back, and you're also al- and you're also able to nest presenters, define lazily evaluated values, create presenter presets, and pass ad hoc fields to presenters as required. So there's quite a bit of thought that's gone into this. It, it looks like a really good option if you're if you're working with Inertia JS, which we've spoken about on the show before. Shout out to Jonathan Rennick, but definitely check out the package documentation for a full breakdown of the options which we'll include a link to in the show notes. Yeah, and thanks uh, to John Wiles for talking to us about this on Twitter. I think this was one of those things where he had mentioned it or you had asked, I think, Frake, how are you guys doing Mm -hmm. this in Oh Dear? And they said, yeah, yeah, we're doing resources. And uh, John Wiles jumped in, I think, and he said, yeah, we actually do it this way and this might be interesting. And so some people ask sometimes, they'll reach out to us and they'll say, hey, you know, would you mind mentioning this on the show? And our answer to that is always yes, absolutely. But... A great way to make sure that your stuff gets mentioned on the show and to give people who are hearing about it a little more context is to actually write an article on Laravel News so that we can point somebody somewhere where you can yeah. actually show some code samples, et cetera, et cetera. So if there's something you'd like to have featured on the show, please write a article for it and send it over to Eric Barnes. And if it uh, makes the cut, we'll talk about it on the show and you'll get some coverage on there too. So uh, that's a great way. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a great way to do that. Sponsoring the podcast this week is a company called About You. So have you ever wanted to relocate to Hamburg, Germany? Or have you ever wanted to be paid to learn German? Or have you ever wanted to get paid to become an expert in Laravel if you're not yet? Or in Vue or if you're not yet? Because you have to be an expert at one of them probably to land the job. But About You is very interested in investing in lifelong learning with their developers. So About You is an award-winning organization and they're the fastest growing e-commerce company in Europe. So they're located in Hamburg, Germany. They've got 8 million app installs, 15 million active users, and a company valuation of more than a billion 
dollars. So one third of their employees are developers and they come from over 40 different nations. So they're, they have a passion to develop one of the best products on the market. And to facilitate that, they've really put a lot of work into making sure that their developers are happy. They have an organizational model called Move, which allows you to switch teams to ensure lifelong learning. So they've built all their software in-house using Laravel, Node, TypeScript, Vue, React, and they are also using technologies that are more recent like Flutter. They've got a lot of perks like free drinks, fresh fruits, free language courses, and they'll even help you relocate. So it sounds this sounds like something you'd be interested in. You should definitely check them out at aboutyou.com slash hiring. Okay, we have got this passwordless login. I just had it up. There we are. Okay. So Ed Grosvenor, Grosvenor. I, I talked to this guy a million times, but I, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Help me out here. What is it? I'd say I'd say Grosvenor. Grosvenor. In fact, I hung out with Ed um, at our Laracon online viewing party. Hey, Ed, how's it going, dude? So he's got this simple, safe magic link, uh, magic login link generator for Laravel apps. So maybe you've seen this before. So Slack, I think, was one of the first people to maybe make this really popular. So and Medium, I think. Okay, and Medium. Yeah. So you'd go and it'd say, hey, just put in your email and we'll send you a magic login link. Right. And so you'd put in your email and next thing you know, you get this little link in your email, you click it and you're magically logged in. Works great. Uh, and some places have actually completely gone away from using passwords at all. So with uh, Slack, you can still log in with the username and password. But I know, for instance, one platform that I do some giving stuff through, you actually don't have a password at all. You just when you go to log in, they send you an email, you click it and they have really long session like lives on those. Right. It uses a remember token and all that stuff. Yeah. So this is basically what that does. So we've had a couple of things in the Laravel framework that have made creating this a little bit more of a first class citizen because we already have temporary signed routes. But what Ed has done is he's basically made this easy to take one of those temporary signed routes and make it easier for you to uh, generate a URL for allowing somebody to log in. So provides a temporary signed route mm-hmm. that logs in a user. What it does not provide, though, is a way of actually sending the link to the route, to the user, because he doesn't want to make any assumptions about how you're communicating with your users. Are you doing it through email? Are you doing it through text message? Yeah. How are you doing it? It doesn't matter, right? This doesn't this doesn't handle that mm-hmm. portion of it. But it's got a really nice, clean API, and uh, it's got configurations so you can change which models the user model, uh, what's the login route, the number of minutes until the link expires, all that good stuff. So if this is something you're interested in, uh, interested in doing, now you don't have to build it yourself. There's a nice package for it. Thanks so much, Ed. Appreciate it, dude. Okay. Yeah. Now we are on to the tutorials section. Whew. We are. Yeah. Okay. So tutorials. Design modals interactively with Laravel schematics. I'm gonna let you take that one, my friend. All right. But I'm gonna talk about design models interactively with what Laravel. What did I say? Modals? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's so close. It's so close. You can't blame me. Close. Close, but no. Oh, oh no way. This is Laravel amazing. Schematics. I've, I've, I've needed this. I just needed this the other day. <laughs> Dang it. This is the exact same thing you told me the other day. You're like, you, this always happens to you, Jake. You never see these packages until it's too late. You gotta, you gotta, <sighs> like step number one. Look on Laravel News. Step number two. Go to packages.org and type the thing. This is so good. Anyway, Laravel Schematics is a neat package by Martin Tolhuis. Tol Tolhuis. There you go. I've been stumped, Martin, for making a diagram of your models and building them interactively. 
This package allows you to make multiple diagrams of your eloquent models and their relations. It will help building them, providing drag and drop relations, forms to create and edit your models, and many options like adding resource controllers, form requests, and running migrations from the click of a button or configurable automatically. It also will give you insights in the migrations you ran and the ones specific and the ones specified in your migrations folder. Some of the key features include drag and drop models onto one another and interactively create relations, building and editing individual models via UI, multiple diagram styles, including Bezier, Straight, Flowchart, and State Machine. Ooh, Jake's yeah, happy. Yeah. Import and export diagrams and searching and filtering models. There is a neat little demo in here, but essentially you can take an app model post, I guess, reference in here, draw a line to the user, the app model's user, tell it that it is a belongs to, and then you can just copy directly from the UI the definition for that relationship and drop it straight into your model class in your editor of choice, which looks really cool. It's a good way to visualize what's going on, and it's a good way to provide some documentation about how all your models relate together, which I know very few of us are probably doing. If you'd like to learn more about the package, check it out on GitHub. We'll have a link to it. It in looks the show really notes. nice. I have to say that it looks really, really nice. The UI that they've provided, you can tell they've spent a lot of time on it. So yeah. it looks excellent. Good job. Um, okay, we've got this tutorial about getting to know the new Laravel HTTP client. So this is the one we talked about just a little bit ago. And so Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, takes a couple minutes to familiarize us with some of the items that you might not know about if you have just kind of heard about it in. Uh, in passing or saw something about it on Twitter. So of course, there's excellent documentation. Taylor does an uh, amazing job documenting all of these things. And uh, this one is no different. But let's let's hit the highlights here on, on this new HTTP client and see what we can learn. So Guzzle, which is the underlying class, is a really powerful HTTP client. But it seems like overkill for about 80% of the time, right? Like it just can be really complicated. Mm-hmm. So when, when trying to make just a simple get request or get some data back from a JSON API... So here are the favorite features that Paul outlines uh, for the Laravel HTTP client. It provides chainable request setup. Uh, there's easy access to JSON response data. Right now with, with Guzzle, you have to do response, get body, JSON decode true, which is, you know, whatever. It's not the end of the world, but it is a little bit annoying. So you get easy access to JSON response data. There's no boilerplate setup to make a simple request. So you don't have to instantiate a new client and set up all this different stuff. It's just very, very simple. It's just HTTP get and then the URL. There's retrying of failed requests. So if it fails, you can have it retry automatically for you. There's convenience methods around authentication headers. Uh, so for basic, for digest, for bearer tokens sort of uh, authentication, there's uh, really convenient ways to do that. And then it also gives you test fakes and test inspections. So for more complicated HTTP work, you might have to use Gustle directly. But for most of the stuff, uh, Laravel HTTP is going to have what you need for your projects. So through here mm-hmm. and just gives um, some quick code snippets for basic usage, for how you can access data, for error handling. This is an interesting one. So if you've used Guzzle in the past, a lot of times what you have to do is you have to introduce this big try-catch block every single time. You can, it, by default, it throws an exception if you get a return code that's above 300, I think. So if you get a 400 or a 500, you have to catch it and then you have to inspect the response status code and then you have to determine kind of what to do from there. So one thing that Laravel does is it will catch those 400, 500 level responses and provides methods that you can use to determine if anything bad happened. Instead of having to do try catch, you can say response, client error, server error, whatever, and it'll give you a Boolean response to tell you whether or not that happened. 
It uh, also one other thing that is of note here. It wasn't obvious at first that timeouts will cause an exception. The default timeout is pretty long, but Laravel HTTP allows you to define it yourself in seconds with a convenient timeout method that you can chain in there as well. So that's something to be aware of. Again, I will uh, point you to the documentation if you have any questions, but this seems like it's going to be a huge win for many, many people, myself included. We do a lot of API yeah. stuff back and forth, and I'm really looking forward to integrating this into our workflow. So check that out. Indeed. Let's talk about serverless Laravel. Hit us up. Serverless Laravel course. Have you been wanting to learn more about Laravel Viber yes. or have you been using it and want to quickly and efficiently scale your applications? Not yet. Serverless Laravel is a brand new course by Jack Ellis that will not only teach you about Laravel Viper, but also automatic scaling, deployments, and so much more. Jack has actually been using Viper basically since the day it launched and has a huge amount of experience with it. He's in a perfect position to teach this course. With the course, you'll be able to save yourself hundreds of hours with the 49 lessons and learn everything you need to know about Laravel Viper. There's a list of sections of what you can expect to learn. I'm just going to hit the high-level topics and you can check the show notes for the individual bits. But there is a welcome to serverless Laravel. There's talk about getting set up with AWS, creating your first project, advanced environment configuration, databases and Redis queues, handling static assets, file system, networks and security, business and costs, deployment and some advanced, and some advanced topics like how to configure... Cloudflare Argo, provisioning custom domains for your users and processing big files. I think maybe by the time this episode is out, the launch price will be done and dusted, but the course itself will be $249 and it will get you access to all 49 lessons, membership to a private Slack community and lifetime updates and access to any new material as it's added. I think at the moment, the course is close to new signups as Jack discovered uh, one of the things that he had mentioned in there was actually a cost detrimental. So he's just polishing that up specifically. But other than that, a lot of the stuff is a bit, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not experimental. Trial and, error. A bit of trial, there's a bit of trial and error involved in uh, AWS and serverless, especially because it's, it's a new thing. And so luckily Jack is trying these things out so he can tell you the best path forward. I think, Based on what he's discovered, there I, there aren't probably a lot of people at the scale of Fathom True. Analytics that they're at. And so maybe you wouldn't notice it as much on a lower traffic site as you would on something like Fathom Analytics. So I'm pretty sure he's floated the idea or the recommendation to Taylor to actually remove this specific thing. So once he's got that updated, definitely check it out. If you've already got the course, well done. Um, you're going to learn some things. I think probably the the key thing for a lot of people is how to get free AWS credits. Um, I've seen heaps of people tweeting in the last week or two since picking up Jack's course that they've got a $300 AWS credit and it's basically covered the cost of the course for those people. So definitely check it out. We will have links to it in the show notes, but it is at serverlesslaravelcourse.com. Yeah, one of the things that really kind of has made me think about getting this, even though we're not using it quite yet, we're going to be using it, I think, in the in the near future. He's just had some really thought-provoking stuff that either he's had to deal with in the wild uh, or he's just smart enough to think through it ahead of time. So like things like building jobs that can handle mm -hmm. database downtimes. So this is under his queues section. So one of the things he was like, hey, we want to make sure the emails send out. No problem. You just queue it. Oh, of course, that's my solution. I just queue it. Then if the queues fail, no problem. Like if, you know, if, if SES is down and my emails can't send, no problem. I'll just get them in my queue. They'll come in as failed jobs and then... I'll just retry them. 
what if your database is down? Yeah. Or what if Redis is down? What then? Yeah. How does that happen? How does that work? Well, crap. Well, Jack mm. has got solutions for that. He's thought through that stuff and he's got some really uh, great ideas about how to keep your app super resilient. And so I thought that was extremely thoughtful and he's got some really good ideas in here. So you should definitely, definitely check that out if you can support Jack and Fathom Analytics too. They're great people over yeah. there. Jack and Paul Jarvis. You should definitely, yeah, definitely follow Jack on Twitter as well. He does share a lot of useful content information for free he's very interactive with his audience and and answering people's questions so we'll have links to jack on twitter sounds as great well. okay we've got a couple of laricon things just to kind of uh, finish up here so uh the laricon au 2019 videos may have been mentioned last time but we'll mention them again here they are now available for your viewing pleasure so did you have to have a ticket to be able to view these mr dorinda no. No. All of these videos are free for all. They're on the Laracon okay. website at laracon.com.au. And if you prefer, there's also a playlist on YouTube that we'll have links to in the show cool. notes. As Sounds well. good. Hey, we've also got this thing you're doing, which is the Road to Laracon 2020. So this is something that we actually did, mm. I feel like maybe, I don't know, four years ago, something like that. Three or four years ago. I think it was I think it was twenty eighteen. Okay, so maybe just two years ago. Or was it 20, no, 2017? Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a while. I have it in my Spotify, but... It was it was the first, second time that... <laughs> it was the second time it was in New York, but the first time recently, gotcha. right? Gotcha, yeah, I'm going to... It was the time before I'm Chicago. Look it up right now because... <laughs> Chicago's the one I didn't go to, right? Uh, yes. Yes, 2016, right. 2016 was Louisville. 2017 was New York. 2018 was Chicago. 2019 was New York. And 2020s Georgia, Atlanta, Atlanta. Not sounds Georgia. good. Yeah, I, that sounds good to me. In anyway, any case, yeah, it was 2017. That's all. I was looking at the playlist right now. 2017. Yeah. So go ahead, talk to us about it. So we, as you said, we did this in 2017, where we sat down with I think most of. I don't know that we got to all of the speakers for 2017, and we did like 30, 40 minute interviews with them about all kinds of different things. This is going to be a real laser focused podcast. The episodes are going to be. 10 to 12 minutes in length, including music. And essentially what it is, is just me talking to all of the speakers about their taste in music, the kind of things that they listen to while they're coding, whether or not they played any music themselves. And it's, and it's just going to be that. And it's all about compiling a, a list of music for folks that are traveling to Laracon US, whether that's from, you know, well, wherever to, to the US, um, <laughs> lo- near and far, near and far, we'll say. Um, to the conference, you will have yourself a, a playlist of what do we got? Eighteen speakers, eighteen by threes, something. I should know that. What it's going to be? Uh, Fifty-four. Fifty. So you have fifty songs. Yeah, and uh, depending on you know some of the songs that I've got on the playlist or get got ready for the playlist, thanks to one of our speakers, are like ten minutes in length. So we should see some wild variants between genres and things like that. I know that. Some of us have some understanding of the speakers, like Adam likes to listen to very heavy music and, and Marcel as well. So, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, I've recorded two of the episodes. The first one will be out on the 24th of March, and we're probably going to do two a week on alternate weeks to the Laravel News podcast. on Tuesday. So we'll do one on a Tuesday and one on a Thursday on alternate weeks for this podcast. And we should have all 18 of the interviews out a week before Laracon US 
in July. So there, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Definitely add that to your podcasters of choice and keep an eye out or your ears out for new episodes as they land. There we go. That's a wrap, everybody. That is episode 114. Every, any parting thoughts, my friend? Uh, yeah. I want you all to be safe. I want you to all to be responsible. I want you all to wash your hands lots. And I want to make sure that you all stay healthy. Bro, so this was hilarious. I mean, I, it's not funny. It really isn't funny. <laughs> so I have a daughter that has a compromised immune system. So we have to be very careful. And so we are. And and we've been staying home for the last week and a half, pretty much two weeks. And so mm-hmm. anyway, uh, today I went to the store to go get some. And I literally like... I put an extra jacket on so I could shed that jacket as soon as I got home. I put, I had gloves. I had like green, like hospital gloves on. I had a mask Mm. and like, I'm walking into the store and like, everybody's looking at me like, like I have coronavirus or something. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't, you know, I'm not saying anything. I'm not making eye contact with anybody. I'm just going in getting my groceries, getting some stuff that I needed coming straight home. But it was, it was hilarious. People were giving me the side eye. Like you would not believe it was, uh, it was wild, but yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy times crazy times this is wild i've never i've never yes. lived through anything like this in my life so it's very no, interesting well, n- most yeah. of us haven't yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens is you know more and more people get told to you know socially distance themselves and more and more people are starting to work from home you know some industries it works and some it doesn't and we haven't been told that schools are shut down and daycares and things like that i expect that they will um, you know, children being the little carriers that they are, not in the highest of risk categories, but certainly carrying things around that, that they can hand over to other people. So, and, you know, having Eli at home makes actually working from home kind yeah. of difficult. So we'll see what happens. These are all interesting times. The biggest telecommunications carrier in Australia ordered 20,000 of its staff to work from home starting from Holy Monday. Cow. So yeah. we'll see what happens. If your internet lasts, hopefully, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. This is episode 114. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. You can find show notes of this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 114. If you liked this podcast today, feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. That'd be much appreciated. Reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob and at Michael Dorinda or at Laravel News. We love hearing from all of you. Thanks everyone so much. Stay safe. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.